The reading of God's Word this morning is found in John chapter 21 and in 1 Peter. And we'll begin with John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And now from 1 Peter 5, beginning at verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this day in which we have been gathered together by you, called to worship you from your word. We have confessed our sins, and we have heard of your wonderful assurance of pardon, and we pray that you would, at this moment, make us able and willing to hear your Word, not only to be hearers of it, to also be doers of it. Uh, Father, we pray that you would come by your Spirit, and that most importantly this morning, that you would reveal Jesus to us that You would remind us of truth and grace, that we were so broken, He had to come and die for us, but we were so loved by Him that He willingly gave His life for us. Take us to this truth and transform us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, like uh, we mentioned at the beginning this morning… been gone for a couple of weeks now, and uh, I missed you, and I missed uh, having the privilege of preaching. Oh, see, I'm forgetting things. Children's church, ages three to first grade, you're dismissed. You're free. Run um, to children's church. Um, so it's gone for a few weeks, missed the privilege of getting to preach to you, and uh, I'm really excited because next week we're going to start a new series, and uh, we're going to be in the book of James throughout 
the fall and looking forward to doing that with you. It, it really is. We've been in Galatians for uh, the rest of the year previously, and it's a, James is a great book to go to follow Galatians. Excited about that, but we're not there this morning. This morning we're in those passages we just had read to us from, uh, from 1 Peter 5 and John 21. And the reason we're here this morning is pretty simple. Um, after worship, we had an announcement about this. We're going to have a congregational meeting uh, before our lunch together. And the purpose of that meeting is so that the elders can share with the congregation here uh, their plans for shepherding the congregation. And shepherding, um, which shows up in both of these passages, uh, John 21 and 1 Peter chapter 5, is this great metaphor in the Bible that God uses to describe the role and the calling of His elders to a particular congregation. And, you know, I understand that in doing this, it, it's really rare um, that you would come to Grace Community Church on a Sunday morning and, uh, and that we would have some kind of in-house kind of discussion like this. But I really think it's a good thing for us to do occasionally. Um, it's certainly important for the members to hear these things. But even if you're visiting this morning, I hope that you will listen and you will kind of hear more of what we're about and learn more about us through this. So here we are in, this pas- in these two passages. Um, and I, w- I want you to understand this. We all need shepherds, every single one of us, right? I, as an elder, need people to shepherd me. The other elders here, they need to be shepherded. Um, and the reason is, is because we're all sheep. Um, but I, I, today, I, I most want today to kind of have the feeling of letting the elders listen in as I talk with, uh, as I talk to you about their call, what God means them to be, and how they are to serve you with their lives. And so I'm going to have three simple points this morning that I want to talk about. I want to talk about the elder's duty, and then the elder's heart, and then finally the elder's motivation. But before we even get there, I want to go ahead and deal with the unflattering nature of this metaphor that we're about to dive into, right? Um, Just go ahead and get this out in the open, because when Jesus calls us sheep, like He did in John chapter 10 or Luke chapter 15, it wasn't to talk about how we are fluffy and cute and and cuddly. Um, And listen, the the image that we have of sheep like this, that they make great stuffed animals because they're so cute and all that kind of stuff, that's not what these people were thinking. In this culture and society, they knew about sheep and they knew about shepherds. And this is a very blunt way for us to start. So if you are visiting, I hope you you will come again one day. Um, But here it is. He calls us sheep because sheep are dumb, because sheep are stupid, because sheep are helpless, right? They constantly lose direction, which is why they need shepherds. They can't survive without them. They're weak and they're vulnerable. They cannot protect themselves. That when they fall… I didn't know this. I researched this a little bit. When they fall down, they can't get up on their own. They have to be helped back to their feet. They chase grass all over the place, um, even into danger. They'll go up to a, a mountain cliff chasing grass, and they'll fall and die, or they'll get stuck, and they can't get down on their own, so somebody has to go get them. And, and when you go get them, it's not like they follow you home willingly, right? Shepherds have to bind the sheep 
and throw them over their shoulders um, and take them home, right? That's the picture. I mean, dogs, when they get lost, they can find their way home, right? Uh, some animals, like pigs, if, they, if they're out on their own in the wild, they, they go wild, right? They go native. Uh, they can adapt. But not sheep. Not sheep. They die alone, right? So here's this wonderful metaphor, your sheep. Um, and it's r- this really unflattering view of who we are to call us sheep is what I'm trying to get across. Um, but I want you to hear this too. It also makes the fact that we are sheep, it makes the good news of the gospel just astounding and beautiful and wonderful. And it's actually incredibly freeing if you can take this in. We're sheep, but God loved us so much that He sent His own Son to die for and to rescue those sheep. You and I were Christians, and we're going to spend an eternity trying to plumb the depths and wondering about God's astounding love for us. He loved us and died for us to make us His own, not because we were beautiful and cute and fluffy and cuddly and all that kind of stuff. He loved us just because He loved us. I mean, we're sheep, and that's incredibly freeing because it frees you to stop pretending in your life that you have it all together. God calls you sheep, right? Let's stop trying to work to earn God's love. Let's stop, try, let's stop living in the fear that we could lose God's love ever. He loved us when we were unlovely. We were sheep. And in God's loving care for His sheep, He's given the church elders to shepherd them, to act under the chief shepherd Jesus as under-shepherds, elders whom He calls to lead and care for His sheep, elders who are to reflect, as the quote on the front of your bulletin suggests, to reflect God's love and care to His people. So here we are. Let's talk about these three points, the elder's duty, the elder's heart, and the elder's motivation. First, the elder's duty. Very simple here. The elder's duty is to be a shepherd of the flock, right? That's what Peter says in verse 2 of that passage we read. But before we get very far, I want to talk to you about how interesting this is, that Peter in verse 1 wrote that he appealed or he's exhorting the elders as a fellow elder. And you think about that, Peter was a pretty big deal in the church, I mean, not only was he one of Jesus' disciples who hung out with him for those three years of his ministry, right, Uh, but he was a part of the inner circle, even of that group, Peter, James, and John. He was tight with Jesus himself, right? And he had been given a lot of authority in the church. He was an apostle after all, and he was one of the contributors of God's very Word, right? Uh, And what I mean is this. If anyone in history ever could have said, um, hey, you better pay attention right now. I'm Peter. It would have been him. I mean, if anybody ever wanted to say, what I say right now, you must obey, it would have been Peter. But that's not what he did. Instead, he simply said, I appeal to you as a fellow elder. Because here's what Peter was doing, and we're going to get into this more throughout this passage, but he's saying, I'm a fellow elder. I mean, when I tell you to be an elder over God's people like this, to be a shepherd, you say, I am being reminded of what Jesus called me to be. 
And you know, you can look through the Scripture, and this image, this metaphor of a shepherd, God uses it often to talk about His role with His people, His sheep, but He also uses it very often to talk about the leaders of His people. You can see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but the reason I had us read John chapter 21 is because I want you to think just for a moment about how deeply personal beyond just biblical and theological, it was for Peter to use the word shepherd, right? Because John 21 is that story of the resurrected Jesus appearing to His disciples. And in this dramatic story, three times Jesus questioned Peter, do you love me? And every time Peter said, I love you, Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. I mean, don't you know that that word and that image could have just been burned into Peter's brain? Right? Jesus was saying, I am commissioning you to feed and care for and lead my sheep, my people, with my word. Elders are to nurture. Elders are to nourish, they are to guide, they are to lead, they are to care for, they are to minister to God's people with His Word. That's the tool they are given to shepherd you with. Now listen, I want you to think with me for a moment about what that really means. Um, Think about it like this. The world you and I know, it is a harsh and a hard place, and very often it just beats the mess out of us. And there are circumstances in our lives of financial struggle and physical struggle and emotional struggle and and all kinds of uh, different kinds of struggle that just beat us up all the time. And so it's easy for you, just like it's easy for me, to think, if I could just get some relief from these circumstances, if I could just fix what's going on in my life here, then I could be happy, then I could be at peace, then I would be whole and fulfilled. But here's what shepherds equipped to minister, care for, and lead God's people with His Word. This is what they do. They come alongside us and remind us that there is a deeper hunger, a deeper thirst, a deeper alienation, a deeper sickness, and a deeper brokenness a need far deeper than the circumstances of our lives. God gave His church elders to uncover that deeper hunger and thirst and alienation and need in our lives, and He did it so that they would also lead us to the chief shepherd, so that they would lead us to the good news of the gospel. And my kids have these cool magical markers. Not magic markers, but magical markers, right? Um, and you've probably seen some of these before, um, because when you, when you open the box, you realize that these magical markers, uh, they look to be filled with just clear ink. Uh, there's no color to it, no brown, greens, or reds, or anything like that. And it looks like a complete ripoff when you open the package, uh, because it looks like this pen's not going to work, and the paper they gave you is blank, too. Um, but the deal with these magical markers is that you take these markers, right, and you, and you use them and you draw on what, what you thought was just blank paper, but then all of a sudden the colors start coming up and the images and the shapes and the pictures start to show up. 
the duty of an elder is to shepherd God's flock with His Word. And I, here's what I want to say to you. When it's happening in your life, colors and shapes and pictures and needs and hunger and brokenness start to show up. Things you may ne- have never seen before in your life. You have to deal with this ugly thing in your life called sin and brokenness. I mean, you think about how I want you to think about how gracious Jesus is in this. He is so gracious that He didn't come just to deal with the needs you know you have. He came also to deal with the needs you don't know you have. And He gave you shepherds to help you there. He came to reveal the deepest needs we we don't know we have and to meet those needs of ours. There's this pretty familiar story in the Gospels. Many of you will probably be familiar of it, with it. It's a story of this paralytic that came to Jesus, but he came to Jesus in an unusual way because his friends brought him. He was a paralytic, after all, and they lowered him down through a roof to get him in front of Jesus. Um, obviously, this man and his friends had come to Jesus hoping for a healing, um, it, but they lowered him down to Jesus, and Jesus looked at this man lying on his mat and he said, your sins are forgiven. And then he just left him lying there on the mat. Can you imagine what this man and his friends, what the expression might have been like on their face? I mean, I'm sure some of them were thinking, um, thank you for that and everything, um, but I don't know if you realize we just cut a hole in the ceiling because my friend couldn't walk in here and we lowered him down to you and you just said your sins are forgiven. He can't walk. That's why we brought him here. Um, And here's what Jesus said to that. He said, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take take your mat, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the paralytic stood up, and he walked out, and he went home. And that story, as you hear Jesus say those things, it might sound a little cryptic at first, but this is what Jesus was saying. He was saying, I came to deal with not only the needs you know you have, your legs that don't work, but I came to deal with the needs you don't know you have. Right? I came to deal with even the deepest needs you don't know you have. I didn't come just to fix your legs. I came to fix your heart. And which is easier? If you read the Gospels, you will know which is easier. It's far easier to say to the paralytic, get up and walk. Because for Jesus to pronounce forgiveness for this man, it meant that he would have to go to a cross and give up his life and die in order to deal with our deepest hunger, thirst, and alienation. And listen, we need shepherds that are going to walk through life with us, you know, that are going to go through the ups and downs and the mundane moments of life with us. We need shepherds who know us personally. We need shepherds who know God's Word, shepherds who will do life with us and take us by the hand and lead us to Jesus, to the living water. George Barna, the statistics guy, he once conducted a survey of the top three things uh, people most want to hear another person say to them. Um, Can you guess what those might be? They are, I love you, I forgive you, and supper is ready. (laughs) And I know that's funny, but I I think that 
the reason that that third one gets in there is because we all know that when you're around somebody's table and when you've been invited in to sit at their table with them, far more than just the consumption of calories is happening, you've been invited all the way in. It's about care and love and fellowship. That's what we're hungry for. And you need elders who will do life with you and who will remind you that you are loved and you are forgiven. And a Savior has come to deal with the deepest brokenness of your life. All right, second, let's talk about the elder's heart. We'll pick up a little speed here. I'm not sure that that's actually the best way to phrase this point, but hopefully what I'm trying to get across is going to become clear. If you think about this, the elder's duty um, to care for and minister uh, to the sheep and to lead and care for them and expose this deeper hunger and the deeper fulfillment in Jesus, that is not, that's not a simple task. Um, it's not an easy task. Um, and what I want us to ask and answer here is what kind of heart what, what kind of person embraces that duty? And I want to give it to you in a very blunt, unnuanced uh, way, and then I'll come back. And it, it'll make you scratch your head at first, but we'll come back and explain. But here, here it is. The kind of heart and the kind of men that do this, the kind of elders you need are elders who don't need you. Now, hopefully that was blunt enough. Uh, Let me explain here. There's been a lot of research into the benefits of pet ownership. Um, You can Google this stuff. I did. Um, Pet owners, they are less likely to suffer depression than those without pets, right? Uh, Unless you have my dog, which I kind of hate. But it's a a totally other story, which we'll address another time. Um, Pet owners have lower blood pressure, lower triglycerides, lower cholesterol, right? Uh, Heart attack patients with pets survive longer than those without. Um, There's a lot more, but my point is there are all these recognizable benefits of pet ownership, right? And even researched benefits. Um, There are these organizations that provide pets to the sick and to the elderly because of all the benefits, but no one is giving out sheep. No one. Because sheep aren't pets, right? They don't make good companions, right? Even and especially to shepherds, right? A dog might wag its tail in its excitement to see you, or a cat maybe. I don't like cats, but they might cuddle up and purr, you know, because uh, with affection for you. Pets play with you. It's a mutually beneficial relationship, right? But sheep offer no benefits to their shepherds. Um, shepherds feed, protect, shelter, lead, rescue, and the sheep do nothing for their shepherds. Um, the kind of shepherd or elder that you need in your life is one that doesn't need you. And you know, right about now, you might be thinking, he's telling us that we need condescending men with superiority complexes. That is actually the stark and complete polar opposite of what I'm trying to get across and where I'm headed with this thing. Because listen, in John 21, verse 17, this is what Jesus told Peter for the third time, feed my sheep. And then he said this in verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you didn't, do not want to go. And then John explained this in a parenthetical, parenthetical statement uh, in verse 19. He said, Jesus said this 
to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Jesus was talking about how Peter was going to die. And history tells us that he did go to a place he did not want to go, and he was carried there. Because like his Savior, he was put to death by crucifixion. Now, let me tell you, I want you to listen to this. Jesus was saying to Peter, you are going to so pour out your life in such humble, self-denying, sacrificial vulnerability for my people, for my sheep, that it will eventually lead to your death. You need shepherds who so don't need you that they will lay down their lives and die for you to give you what you need and expect nothing in return from you. I know it can be obnoxious to keep switching back and forth between these passages, but in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter's saying the same thing. He says in verse 2 and 3 that these shepherds are to be exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And if you can catch the thrust of what Peter is saying, he's saying that's the elder's heart. It isn't driven by a desire to get anything from the sheep, whether that be a peaceful conscience, whether that be some kind of emotional well-being or satisfaction or monetary gain or security or for a power trip over others or to gain reputation. You need elders who are so free from needing anything from you that they will lay down their lives for you willingly. You need an elder who's in it for you right? For the sheep, not in it for what they can get out of it. Um, the kind of shepherd you need is a shepherd who doesn't need you. And, and I think that if we spend some time thinking about this and the people that interact with us in our lives, um, the people, there's nothing so, so attractive as someone who is so unneedy and so fulfilled and so secure and so at peace that they don't need the approval of others. Right, that they don't need to use others to feel significant or important. They don't come into relationships calculating costs and benefit, right? They're simply there to serve and to love. It's shepherds who don't need you who are going to be available and approachable to do life with you because they're in it for you, not for anything they can get out of it. You know, part of the reason I love the 4th of July um, is really because I don't understand how fireworks work. Um, and that may sound strange, but, you know, how somebody can package those things and they can shoot up in the air and they can explode in these beautiful colors and these perfect patterns and all that kind of stuff, I'm just amazed. It makes me feel like a kid again just to sit there in and, and awe and wonder and amazement about these beautiful colors and display and all that. And I know that I'm not alone in this because sitting around me are all these other adults and they're going, ooh, ah, you know… So we're all doing it, right? Um, and I, I, I don't want you to get me wrong here, because I'm not trying to set up the elders of Grace Community Church as some elite special class of Christians. Um, we're all sheep, even the elders, right? And we all need to be shepherded, but you need elders who are so thoroughly amazed by the love of Jesus that at times they baffle you, and how they could love you and come alongside of you not wanting anything from you, but just to love you, right? Listen, at Grace Community Church, we want our elders to do life with you, and at times that means our elders should be horribly inconvenienced by you, right? To weep with you 
in the middle of the night. You should be able to call them for that, to sit with you in the hospital waiting room as you're scared for your child. They should be there for you in convenience because they're not in it for themselves. They're in it for you to listen to your stories of hurt and disappointment and frustration and angerness at the brokenness of life. And sometimes angry at God because you don't know what he's doing. Right? To pray with you. To want to know the real you. To remind you of Jesus' love in the middle of the night when you've forgotten it again. Listen, they're to be there in the midst of your failure and your heartache and your sin in your life to be pointing you to a grace that is always greater than your sin at any moment. And I want there to be times where you wonder and are amazed by how much you are loved here by these men, by these elders. That's what they want to be for you. That's why they've called this meeting after our worship service this morning, because they're free from needing anything from you. They want to tell you how they want to be there for you. Okay, third, the elders' motivation. In, the last, in this last point, I'm just going to try to pull everything together here. You know, I'm content once a year to be baffled by fireworks, right? But it, it's not enough for us to be ignorant about how we can become free like that. Um, because, of course, we want our elders to be like this. But even more than that, we want to be free like that. We want to be free to be so unneedy and so fulfilled and whole that we can lose our lives and sacrifices for one another. So here it is, the elder's motivation. Peter wrote in verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I don't have time to deal with the unfading crown of glory this morning. We'll save it for another time. But Peter saw that every elder, every elder is just an under-shepherd of the chief shepherd, of the ultimate good shepherd, Jesus. And if you read, if you think about that passage in John 21, if you read a little bit more of the context surrounding it, you'll see that what Jesus did is He came and He built a fire on the shore of the Sea of Galilee where He met Peter after His resurrection. And I want you to follow me closely here, okay, because this is absolutely beautiful. Why did Jesus build a fire, and ask Peter three times, three times, do you love me? To answer that question, you have to back up a little bit from that story. When Jesus foretold his betrayal and his crucifixion, Peter was so cocky. He was so self-righteously arrogant that he just bowed up and he said, he basically said this, hey Jesus, even if all these other jokers leave you, I won't lead you. I mean, he was saying, Jesus, if you go down, I'll go down with you. But Jesus was arrested that same very, that very same night. And the cocky Peter was humbled to the dirt. He denied Jesus. How many times? Three times, right? And the third time before the rooster crowed, you might remember this story, Mark said, He so emphatically denied Jesus that Mark said, he swore and he cursed. I do not know this man of whom you are speaking. Now, if we're going to be fair, all the disciples blew it. (laughs) They all fled. But if we're being fair, none of them blew it as bad as Peter blew it. Right? And you remember where Peter's denial took place? It was in a courtyard around a fire. 
Do you think Peter might, might have picked up on some of these clues? Because Jesus was not being very subtle. By a fire, not one question about whether Peter loved Jesus, but three questions paralleling his three denials. Now, real quick, let me hit the pause button, because if your heart is like mine, uh, your instinct is to think this. Man, that's a crazy guilt trip from Jesus. Um, You know, uh, that's intense. (laughs) But that's not at… I want you to understand, that is not at all what was happening here. Jesus was being the chief shepherd, right? He was being the ultimate good shepherd to Peter, and he was saying something like this Peter, to Peter, because you blew it worse than all the others, I'm going to make you the biggest trophy of my grace. I'll take your great failures, and I'll plunge them into my greater grace and turn you into the greatest leader of them all. He's saying once it sinks in, Peter, how much I love you and what I have done to forgive you, it's going to make you so free. It'll make you so free that you won't need validation or approval from others, and you will serve others so sacrificially and humbly that it will eventually lead to your death and crucifixion. At that moment by the fire, Jesus was, he was doing two things for Peter. First, he wasn't letting Peter off the hook, right? He didn't say, ah, don't worry about it. Let's not talk about it. Let's just forget that that happened, right? No, the fire and the three questions, Jesus was forcing Peter to face his brokenness. He was revealing Peter's deeper brokenness, right? He was dealing with the… He was forcing Peter to deal with the reality of his deepest hunger and thirst and brokenness. But the second thing Peter was, uh, Jesus was doing with Peter at the same exact time was that he was totally affirming Peter. He was saying, Peter, my love and grace is enough for you. It's enough to satisfy your deepest hunger and thirst and alienation in life. It's enough to make you whole and set you free, is what Jesus was telling Peter. Peter, my grace is always bigger than even your most terrible and your greatest sin that you can imagine. And here's what I'm saying. At the same time, grace and truth were colliding in Peter's life. Right? Righteousness and love were coming together. Holiness and mercy were meeting at that moment. And the truth is that we all, if we are going to be free, we all need that collision in our lives to face the deep reality of our brokenness, but also to see the beauty of God's grace for us. And it's not a fire in three questions that God gives us to show us this collision. What He gives to you and me is the cross of His own Son. And He says that right there is truth and grace colliding, meeting, coming together to kiss for you. Right? We were this broken and fallen that nothing less than the brutal death of God's own Son could deal with the reality of our brokenness. But the cross is also the place where, where grace meets, right? Because the cross also shouts grace and mercy to us. It says, God so loved you that He Himself, He was willing to do this for you. He was willing to give His life for you to set you free. And God has given you elders to walk through life with you, to keep leading you to this cross, 
to this truth and grace to tell you and remind you just like I need it every day because I forget it every day that God loves you and He has forgiven you and you need elders that come into your life and they say to you, not only does God love you and forgive you, but supper is ready. Right? That's what this table that we're going to come together in a moment, that's what this is. God has given us this table, and you, like sheep, like me, didn't bring anything in here this morning. You didn't provide the bread. You didn't provide the wine. You came like sheep to be led to this table because this table reminds you of the body and the blood of Jesus. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for his sheep, and it's truth and it's grace. Very, very quick applications as we close. One, you need to welcome shepherds into your life. They are God's gift to you. He set them apart and called them to serve you with His Word. Two, be honest. We get used to, in life to hiding our different shades of shame from one another, which is a quote from Matchbox 20, which you ought to be impressed by that. But um, we get used to pretending that we have it all together But it's when we admit our brokenness, it's when we confess that we need Jesus, the chief shepherd, and that we need his under-shepherds to remind us of his love and forgiveness, that's when we get set free. Which leads me to the last thing, which is this, just this, be free. God has come in his own son to set you free, and you are free indeed in him. Awash in the good news of the gospel that you could not earn and you can never lose. You cannot out His grace. You live out of that freedom, and you'll find yourself becoming a servant of those around you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the good news of the gospel this morning. We are Your sheep, and because we are, we need to hear it week in and week out. We need to be reminded because we forget all the time that You love us, that You have forgiven us, that You invite us to Your banquet table to feast. So, Father, we pray that You would set us free in the gospel. We pray for the elders here at Grace Community Church, that You would set them free in order that they might serve Your sheep the way You would have them serve Your sheep, that they would do so sacrificially, self-denying, that they would be humble as they go about leading and caring and guiding your sheep. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.